Chances are, this was a high priority when you were first saved and should have remained so ever since. Is obedience still vital to your Christian walk? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers wisdom and insights on this important subject from the epistle of 1 John. So if obedience is something you struggle with, take heart and listen as David introduces his helpful message, Trust and Obey. You know, I heard myself saying just recently in a message that if you don't learn how to live under authority, it will be a problem all of your life. And someday they will open a personnel file and it will just simply say, struggles with authority. And friends, that's true in our relationship with God. I've often said that the time between when God tells you to do something and when you actually do it, that time in between belongs to the devil, not to God. Because when God tells us to do something, he means for us to do it, not when we get around to it, but right now. And obedience is the key dynamic in the walk that you have with the Lord. Um, You have to echo those words, whatsoever he says to me, I will do it. And today we're going to talk about that. Trust and obey is our subject. First John 2, verses 3 through 11, in these few days that we have in the first letter to John before we head into the Christmas season. By the way, there's a study guide for this, and I really love this study guide. It's beautifully designed, very colorful color, has all the lessons that we're talking about in here. They're summarized. There's places for you to add value to the lesson by looking up scriptures and answering questions. And uh, it's a great little study guide. If you want to study First John in your small group, here's a way to do it. Just get a bunch of study guides for your people. You get the CDs, listen to them as the facilitator, and gather everybody in the room and just once a week, study First John. I can't tell you it's uh, dynamically brilliant. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can tell you it's First John, and you'll be in the Word of God, and you'll be talking about it every day when you come to class. So there you go. Let's open First John to the second chapter and finish out this week with part one of Trust and Obey. Robert Comferschmidt was an 81-year-old man with no flying experience at all. However, due to a tragic emergency, he was forced to fly an airplane. On June 17, 1998, he and his 52-year-old pilot friend, Wesley Sickle, were flying from Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana. During the flight, the pilot, Wesley, slumped over at the controls and died. The Cessna 172 single-engine plane began to nosedive And Comfersmith grabbed the controls, got on the radio, and began to plead for help. Nearby were two pilots who heard the call. Mount Comfort was the nearest airport, and the two pilots gave Comfersmith a steady stream of instructions of climbing, steering, and the scariest part, landing. The two experienced pilots had him circle the runway three times before he was ready to attempt the landing. Emergency vehicles were called out and ready for what seemed like an approaching disaster. Witnesses said the plane's nose nudged the center line and bounced a few times before the tail hit the ground. The Cessna ended up in a patch of soggy grass next to the runway. Amazingly, Comfersmith was not injured at all. The pilot listened and followed instructions as if his life depended on every word. And indeed it did. Can you imagine him saying, 
when they said, turn right. Could I pray about it? (laughs) Can you imagine if they said, pull up? Him saying, I don't feel like it. Can you imagine him arguing in the least with the instructions of the experienced pilot when his life was hanging in the balance? My friends, he took every word seriously. He didn't debate it. He didn't wait to put it into action. He knew that immediate response to the instructions was only hope of getting on the ground safe and sound. As we open our Bibles today to the second chapter of First John, we are going to learn that obedience to the Word of God is every bit as crucial as obedience was to this desperate pilot. John is going to teach us that at the center of our walk in the faith is this concept of obedience. It is with us from the very beginning and it follows us all the way through our relationship. As we begin in the third verse, we learn first of all that obedience is the very sign of our relationship with God. Let me read the second chapter, verses three through five. Now by this we know that we know him. How do we know that? If we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. The first thing that John teaches us in this section is that obedience proves the reality of our faith. He says, by this we know that we know him. By what? If we keep his commandments. John is not saying that we know him because we keep his commandments. He's saying that we know him and it is evident that we know him because we do what he says. First of all, he says, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's the positive statement. John is reminding us that there's a major difference here between relationship and fellowship. When we're born into God's family, We are united to him in an eternal relationship. But we also are initiated into a circle of fellowship. And that is something that can be broken by our sin. Now, the Bible says that by this, we can be sure that we know him. Our relationship is demonstrated by our obedience. In the language of the New Testament, this is very forceful. And I don't want to get grammatical on you today, but listen to me carefully. John is saying, by this we know that we have known him. That's a perfect tense, something that happens in the past with continuing results. Because we are now, in the present, keeping his commandments. How do you know if you know God? Because you have a sensitivity to what he says. When he speaks into your life, you listen. You may not always obey perfectly, and sometimes you get into places where you disobey. But your general tenor of life is that when God speaks, you want to do what he tells you to do. You read the word of God with a sense of urgency to hear God's voice. And it makes a lot of difference to you that God has spoken and you want to do what he says. You have a desire to please God. Can I get a witness? That's how it works. 
If you don't have that desire, if you don't want to obey, if your bent on life is to do whatever you want to do regardless of what God says, then John says you need to take a look at your own life. Because here's his statement that obedience is the sign of our relationship. Now please hear me, not sinless perfection, not flawless living, but the sense in your heart that you want to obey God. Do you have that sense? You wouldn't be here probably if you didn't have that sense in your heart. Now, John is telling us that our union with Christ is demonstrated by our communion with Christ. I want you to hear me carefully. He is telling us that our union with Christ is demonstrated by our communion with Christ. He is not saying that our union with Christ is dependent upon our communion with Christ. He is saying that as Christians, when we walk in obedience to the Lord, we are a signboard to the world that says that person knows God. That person is a part of God's family. To put it simply, this is what he is saying. Fellowship proves relationship. Communion proves union. We do not come to know God by keeping his commandments. That's salvation by works. We demonstrate that we already know God by how we live. Look again at what it says in the third verse. By this we know that we know him. How? Because we do what he says. Right? Are you here? Uh, Let's read that verse again. Maybe I should say it a little louder. By this we know that we know him. How do we know if we know him? Because we are attempting to keep his commandments, right? That's the sign of our relationship. Now, the negative part of this in the fourth verse is pretty strong. John says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. What's the rest of it? He is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, I need to remind you right at this juncture in my sermon that John was the apostle of love. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it when you read the fourth verse, but he really was. He was known as the apostle of love. Love is found in his gospel and in his letters more than any other books in the Bible. He is not writing these things to us out of anger or resentment. He is writing these words of warning out of a loving heart so that all of us will take note of our walk. When it comes to one's relationship with God, there is no room for error. Like the pilot coming in for a landing, if he didn't do it right the first time, there probably wouldn't be a second time. We have to get it right if we fail to understand the nature of the gospel and salvation. It will have eternal consequences. John says that we should look at our own lives. If we say that we are in a relationship with God and we violate all of his commandments without any concern whatsoever, any conscience, we are lying to ourselves and we are not living in the truth. You say, Pastor, why is that so important for today? Simply because we live in a time when the church has embraced a kind of gospel that makes it possible for people both to be in the church and in the world at the same time without any conviction or conscience at all. The term that is used in theology is easy believism. Uh, Just say a word, pray a prayer, and then go on doing whatever you want to do. The Bible says if that's the mentality you have about your faith, you are not living in the truth. Because a person who has truly been born into God's family has a desire to do what God is saying. If you claim to have a relationship with God and are living just like those who do not know God, 
you are just fooling yourself, but John wants you to know you're not fooling God because he sees through it all. Now, the first thing he's saying, this is pretty strong, obedience is the sign of your relationship. It proves the reality of your faith. But now he takes it another little step further. And secondly, under this whole category, he says obedience proves the reality of our love. In the fifth verse, he says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. Now, the first part of this says, by this we know that we know him. Now he says, by this we know that we are in him. How do we know that? Because we do what he says. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, this is not rocket science. This seems so simple. It's profound, isn't it? John goes beyond our faith relationship, and now he is going to talk about our love relationship. He says that if we say we love God and don't obey his commandments, we're fooling ourselves. You see, according to the Bible, our love for God is not demonstrated by what we say, but by what we do. It is not a matter of lip service, but of life service. Jesus made that very clear in these words recorded by John in John's gospel. Listen to this. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You say, how does this work? Well, Paul explains the phenomenon in the book of Romans. He says it this way. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In other words, when you and I were born into God's family, you know what happened? We got the gift of the Holy Spirit that moment. It's not a second work of grace, my friend. It's original equipment. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Are you all with me on that? You got that? All right. Now, here's what John is saying. John is saying when you get the Holy Spirit... He brings into your heart God's love. And the love of God then begins to be shed abroad in your life because of the Holy Spirit who's been given to you. So John is saying that our love for God is demonstrated primarily by how we respond to what he says. Our love for him causes us to want to do what he says. If you love somebody, you will be keeping their word. I love the phrase in this little verse that says, the love of God is being perfected in him. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we're all in the process. We aren't perfected yet, but we're in the process. The Bible says that as we grow, God's love begins to be perfected or or it begins to mature in us. And we begin to learn this simple truth. We get past all of the theology that we've been taught and all of the things that clog up our mind with needless details. And we get down to the rock bottom truth and it's this. Lord God, I love you. And the Lord says to us, why do you say you love me and do not the things which I tell you to do? You see, our obedience to God is the testimony of our love for God. It is the sign of our relationship with God. Now let's just review what this teaches us is that obedience is the sign of our relationship. It demonstrates the reality of our faith. And it demonstrates the reality of our love. Now let's go on to the second part of this passage. And here we are introduced again to that phrase we saw at the beginning. By this we know. Notice in verse 5 of chapter 2 we see this again. By this we know 
that we are in him. And this teaches us that obedience is the secret of our fellowship. Now let's back up a minute and get this all together. Because John is telling us some really important things. He is saying, first of all, obedience is the sign that we're in a relationship with God. But he says, let me tell you something else. Obedience is the secret to having a good relationship with God. It's not only the evidence that you are in God's family, but it's the secret to having a great relationship with your father. You want to have a great relationship with your parents, kids? Let me tell you how to do it. Just do what they tell you. I mean, it'll work wonders. You won't find that in many parenting books, but I'm going to promise you on the authority of the word of God, if you want to get along with mom and dad, here's all you have to do. Whatever they tell you to do, just do it. Amen? And if you want to get along with your heavenly father, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Don't debate it. Don't argue about it. Don't go through the Bible looking for the loopholes. <laughs> just do what he says. You know what? I got to tell you that from my experience, most of us spend a lifetime trying to learn the simplicity of that lesson. We go all through all the detours. We take all the back roads. We try to find other ways to accomplish the same goal. And we ultimately end up right back with the simple truth. If I'd have just done what he told me to do in the first place, I wouldn't be in this mess. The Bible says, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And by this, we know that we are in fellowship with him, that we are in union with God. We desire communion with God. And John says the way to communion is through obedience. Now notice verse seven, the expectation of this obedience. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. What is John saying? He's saying, I'm telling you to love God and to keep his commandments, but I want you to know this is not new. I didn't just come up with this. This isn't just New Testament doctrine. In fact, this goes all the way back to the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. This was embedded in the heart of every follower of Judaism. That there were two major things they were to be concerned about. One day a lawyer came to Jesus and said, Lord, what is the great commandment of the word of God? And Jesus answered in Matthew 22, verses 36 and following. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all of the law and all of the prophets. Jesus said, you want to simplify what the life of fellowship with God is? Here it is. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbors as yourself. <laughs> That's obedience to the command. Now, John's saying, you've had this from the beginning. From the beginning of your knowledge of God. From the beginning of your relationship with God. You have known Deuteronomy 6, 5 and Leviticus 19, 18, that you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love your neighbors. But you know, it doesn't take us long to violate those commands. I read somewhere this week that before these commands were ever given, they were in the heart of God. Adam broke the first one when he loved his wife more than he loved God. And Adam's son broke the second one when he went out and killed his brother. We are always in the process of either obeying this command or violating it. 
And when John speaks of the old commandment, which was from the beginning, he's reminding us that the commandment of love goes back beyond the New Testament. In fact, the old commandment is the summary of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? You say, how would you summarize the Ten Commandments? It's easy. The first four tell us how to love God, and the last six tell us how to love our neighbors. You go home and look up the Ten Commandments, and you'll see that's true. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments have to do with our relationship with our neighbors. The Ten Commandments are given so that we would love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's how simple it is. The expectation of obedience comes to us from the Old Testament. But notice the explanation of obedience in verse 8. John says, again, a new commandment I give you, which is true in Christ and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John is talking here about an old commandment and a new commandment. What in the world is this new commandment? He mentions it again in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you love one another. By this all men will know you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. So what's new about this commandment? We just got to tell you it was from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, which is about as far back in the Old Testament as you can go. How is it new? Oh, listen, here's the key. The commandment was new in that it has been raised to a completely new standard in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was of Jesus, we read, that he loved men and that men were to love each other. I want you to listen to a statement that I copied out of a book I read this week by William Barclay, who is an historic commentator on the scriptures. Listen to how he explains this. It is profound. In Jesus, love reached out to the sinner. To the Orthodox Jewish rabbi, the sinner was a person whom God wished to destroy. There is joy in heaven, they said, when one sinner is obliterated from the earth. But Jesus was a friend of men who were outcast and women who were sinners. And in Jesus, love reached out to the Gentiles. As the rabbis saw it, the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. But in Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his son. Love becomes new in Jesus because he widened its boundaries until there were none who were outside of its embrace. In Jesus, love became new in the lengths to which it would go. He could even pray for mercy from God on those who were nailing him to his cross. Hmm. Well, there's no one nor will there ever be anyone like Jesus. His perfection, even in his death, is so evident. But he tells us to follow him, and we can become like him. We follow him in our obedience, and we become like him in obedience. When we trust and obey, we become like the Lord Jesus. And that's one of the building blocks of our Christian life, is it not? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Hey, friends, we are finishing up the week together. We are also beginning the month together, and that means there's a new resource out there, and that resource is something you should be familiar with if you're uh, long-term followers of Turning Point. We have a brand new devotional book, beautiful gilded edges, beautiful blue and tan cover. This year, the title is Every Day with Jesus. That's our hope for you. Every day, open this book and read something that draws your attention heavenward. Colossians says, set your affection on things above, 
Here's a good way to do that. Read this devotional every day, and then read the scripture along with it, and you will be blessed and encouraged in your life. We'd love to send this beautiful devotional, this beautiful leather-covered devotional to you as our way of saying thank you for your year-end gift. Your December gift is so important, and we humbly ask for it. We ask you to consider making Turning Point a part of your year in giving. Uh, we ask you twice a year. We ask you in December, and we ask you in June. Uh, as you know, these have been interesting days, and so asking is really important. And I hope you'll respond. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of Every Day with Jesus. We'll send you this beautiful book, and you'll love it for the whole year. This is a gift that keeps on giving, and we're thankful. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time. This is David Jeremiah, and this is Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living in the Light, please visit our website, where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Back again this year, the home for Christmas Channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the home for Christmas Channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit TurningPoint.tv to start streaming today. That's TurningPoint.tv. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. There is an Italian proverb that is a great spiritual metaphor. It says, He who knows the road can ride at a full trot. When a horse and rider are on a road that they've been down a hundred times, they can go at full speed. They can ride with confidence. But in life, we are confronted with roads we've never been down before. 
and that can be intimidating. But guess who sees every bump and pothole in every road? God does. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight, to have confidence in God and not in ourselves. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover reasons to have confidence in God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.